and welcome to Young Thriving. We've reached the fifth episode already. Thanks to everyone that keeps listening as I learn how to make the most helpful and engaging podcast I can. This episode is about mental health, following up with the third edition in the Four Parts of Health series. Today, I will explain the difference between mental and emotional health, give you tips on how to better your own mental health, and even interview a therapist. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about the best way, in my opinion, to listen to the podcast. There are currently about five platforms you can use to listen. It can take a while to reach all platforms because each one has its own criteria and system to decide whether or not it's real, so it's not on Apple Podcasts yet. I know that some people listen on Spotify and some listen directly on Anchor, and there are a few more apps that I tried out. Right now, I think the best place to listen is an app called Breaker. On Breaker, you can subscribe to Young Thriving and then get notifications every time I post. This is great because I know some people, including myself, were frustrated that they never got alerts. So here you go. All right, now back to the episode. I decided not to do a news rundown today. I felt that it wasn't helpful, especially in an episode about mental health. Taking a break from the news can help your mental state. And definitely in a time like this where a lot of the main stories are not very positive. However, like I've said in my previous episodes, keep supporting the Black Lives Matter movement any way you can. I, personally, have signed many petitions, listened to people's points of view, and donated. If you can't donate, there are always other ways to support. Thanks. What is mental health? Well, the definition of mental health is psychological well-being and absence of mental illness, similar to physical health. Mental health can be affected by many things, including genes, family history, mental illness, or life experiences such as abuse or trauma. The most common mental illness is anxiety disorder, but there are so many others that people deal with, like depression, OCD, eating disorders, and more. It is important that people with these disorders get the help they need. You can assist this by listening to friends and family, and if they are willing, getting them help. So let's talk about the difference of mental and emotional health. They go hand in hand. I still wanted to have separate episodes, though, so I could really focus on each one because they're both really broad topics. Like I mentioned before, mental health is all about psychological well-being and mental illness, while emotional health is about being aware of emotions, able to process them, and able to manage feelings through change or hard times. Now that you and I both understand exactly what mental health is, I'm going to share my experiences and advice with mental health. So right off the bat, I haven't had too many struggles with mental health. I just think that maybe sharing my experience could be helpful or could serve as an example for others to do so. Because I feel like talking about it makes me feel better. So I experienced some anxiety, that's really hard to say, in fourth grade after my parents got divorced. I would get stomach aches throughout the day, not want to go to school, and one day I just got, like, really itchy, so. Um, It also didn't help that there was a ton of drama at after-school daycare. (laughs) Okay. Right now, I experience anxiety in a different way. When I feel anxious, I'll see pictures of this gross thing when I close my eyes. I (laughs) don't really want to share what it is because... I don't want people to taunt me by showing me this thing because it can be really hard to like fall asleep because when I close my eyes, you know. I also feel anxiety when I touch something with one side of my body, 
because I feel awful until I touch it with the other side of my body. When I feel really anxious, it can be hard to get out of chairs or walk around because I don't know what side to walk on. I've found ways to cope with both of these things and recognize that they aren't too serious. I've also found ways to try to reduce the amount of anxiety I experience, like trying to reduce stress. I can't really control that, but trying to calm myself down and um, it helps if I'm not on my phone too much during the day. So yeah, I just wanted to share my experience because I thought it could be helpful. I think we should try to tell people about our experiences if we're comfortable because it can make us feel better. So I wrote down a list of things that can help me at least with mental health and I know have helped others. So you can practice mindfulness by meditating, doing yoga, whatever you enjoy. Like I said, try not to look at your phone late at night. Talk to people about your experience, exercise, journal, and think happy thoughts. (laughs) So positive thinking and affirmations work wonders in all parts of your life. I'm currently reading this book, Let Your Mind Run by Dina Castor, and she talks about how positive thinking helped her running career. I recommend it if you're a runner. Simply put, just be kind to yourself. Next, I will be interviewing a therapist, my neighbor, Gail, or Gigi, as we like to call her. Hi. Hi. Um, thank you for being on my podcast. You're welcome. I have gotten some questions written down. Okay. So if you're ready. I'm ready. I didn't study for this test, but I'm ready. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think you're, I mean, yeah, I think you're ready. Okay. So first, um, I was wondering what inspired you to become a therapist. Hmm. All of my life, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a therapist. And I knew that. I loved psychology. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't uh, respond to it right then. Instead, I got married, had children. And that was a lovely decision. And then when my oldest daughter died, when she was 17, I was again inspired to do something with that loss and to do something that was useful to someone else. And that's when I decided, after several years of grappling with it, I decided as a 50-year-old to go back to school and get my degree and my master's degree in uh, clinical psychology. So that's what me really was a a devastating loss in my life. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, So how many years have you been a therapist? I have now been a therapist for uh, only 11 years. Mm -hmm. And you said you got a degree in clinical psychology. So is there like anything special you special, like anything you specialize in? Um, Well, I, I, yes, as I set off into my private practice here, I decided that I wanted to specialize mostly in grief because I thought it was important to specialize in something that uh, really resounded inside me. And that did. Um, I, I knew that grief was something that I understood completely. I was curious about, and I was able to um, grapple with it well, if I, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's what I decided. That's when I decided to do grief. However, with grief comes all sorts of other things, which I also uh, work with, with like depression, anxiety, um, all of those underlying 
um, issues that, that come along with grief. So really, in the end, although I say I specialize in grief, I really see anyone about anything. Yeah. And when you see people, is there like a certain type of therapy that you do? Yes. Yes, I do. I do a very probably not well known and a different kind of therapy, and it's called solution focused brief therapy. And it's different from some of the traditional therapies in that my, uh, I don't sit as the expert across the room. Um, oh, I think you cut out. Can you hear me? Whoops. <laughs> I think you cut Are out you for a little bit. I did. I did cut out because I got yeah. a phone call. Oh, so, okay. Do you want me yeah. to um, say, just explain the solution? Okay, basically. solution. Yeah, solution focused brief therapy, and what it means is, um, I in I invite a conversation whereby I ask for the person's best hopes so that our conversation can go along into a positive future, as opposed to a problem based. So we don't. Mm have a conversation based all on what the problem is and how the problem occurred, but rather what would we rather, uh, what would they rather their life to be? And in the end, um, the purpose is that I ask a question they've never heard so that they can give an answer they didn't know they had. It pulls hmm. out the superhero in the client. Wow, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we're going to move on to like mental health Um Instead of, well, yeah, we're going to just ask some mental health questions. So okay. first, how do you define mental health? How do I define mental health? That is such a good question. I would say it's the ability to walk through your life, experiencing all the ups and downs, uh, being comfortable with discomfort and being able to embrace happiness and goodness when you see it, to be able to soak in the gold, if you will, when you see it, and then to be able to know that in the low parts of our lives, um, this is temporary, and that we are the experts of ourselves. We can figure more things out than we know. I think that's a sign of someone who is, has a real stronghold on um, mental health as they understand themselves. Oh, I really like that. Okay, so what do you think has been the biggest mental struggle for kids and teenagers um, during, during quarantine? Good question. I think that during quarantine, the, the biggest struggle for kids has been the lack of sociability, the lack of being able to connect yeah. so freely and so closely, because it's important that not only are we able to talk with each other, but we're able to touch each other and we're able to sit close to each other and experience each other's being. And I think for kids, that's really hard to have that taken away. And um, I think ultimately they may immerse into technology, video games, things like that, that um, aren't so socially healthy for them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that too. Mm -hmm. um, on the other side of that how do you think quarantine has improved the mental health of kids and teens i that is that is another good question i think it it has the potential and it does when people can see the possibilities of sitting in silence and sitting with themselves 
without a lot of extracurricular going on and to understand that sometimes that's okay too. Um, it's okay to be, to be alone and with yourself and let the silence fill your mind. So I think that's good. I think that's good for adults and kids and everyone on the planet. Yeah, I can definitely agree with um, having like a simpler life has helped me, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it, a simpler life. Yes, because when we don't have all those other things grappling for our attention all of the time, um, it's good for us when we don't have the all of the sports and, the, and yeah. the, even the schoolwork and going here and there with all the social things. Um, and especially if we then don't dip down into the world of technology, which can pull at us as well. Mm-hmm. And just let us just let ourselves go out into nature. That's just absolutely fabulous thing to do. Yeah. Um, what do you think is like your biggest or most important advice for people to help their mental health? Mm. My biggest piece of advice, I am not no. an advice giver, but I'm going to say that is, that is one of my, it's pretty broad. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> one too. Another great one because you're right, Zoe, I will have things that I have in my brain that I it spill out a lot with clients. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is do more of what works and less of what doesn't as hmm. simple as that. Do more of what works, notice what works notice what doesn't and do more of what works. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think, so in this podcast, we've covered some other parts of health, um, like social and physical. So mm-hmm. how do you think those different parts of health affect mental health? Well, definitely. I'm a believer in body, mind, spirit. Um, I believe we're all connected. We're as healthy as our whole system is healthy. So our, our physical health, you know, the nutrients that we get, all of uh, the sunshine and the air and the exercise that we get is very important to our mental health. And our social health, like we talked earlier, is also very important because as, as we were made to be social beings, we were made to connect. And so when one of those, it's, it's, if you think of a... Um, if you think of a mobile over a baby's bed, you know how one of those pieces gets out of sync, all the other ones kind of fly around. If mm-hmm. one gets out of sync, and that's the way we are as people. So uh, that connectedness to all of those parts of our lives is very important. Yeah. yeah. And also, how do you think, well, you explained like how they all work together. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think mental health can affect like physical and social well, mental health can affect physical and social. If you would take depression, for example, when, mm-hmm. when a person's experiencing symptoms of depression, they will pull away from their friends. They will pull into isolation oftentimes, and it will be difficult to um, exercise. And, and if you can't kick one of those off to complete that, that cycle, it gets very difficult. And what it's a little like the chicken and the hen sometimes, which comes first? Mm. Um, you know, the lack of the lack of sociability and the lack of physical exercise can sometimes lead to a depressive state. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so last question. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to tell the listeners? 
Is there anything I want to tell the listeners that I think some of the most important work we can do in these days that are difficult in the days of the pandemic and COVID and all of the things that are happen, happening is mm-hmm. to listen to each other, listen and and enjoy the conversations. And but first, I think at first it begins with listening and sitting still and just being there and showing up for each other and not judging, just being together. Yeah. 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 Well, I definitely have enjoyed this conversation. (laughs) Thank you so much for letting me interview you. You are so welcome. It was a delight. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. 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 To end this episode, I'm going to give you some fun facts about something that I relate to because I had a lot of fun recording the redhead facts. I'm a cross-country runner and in my third week of summer workouts. I didn't run consistently after the season ended in fall, so I'm a little bit rusty, but pushing through. To give myself and all my cross-country friends some credit, these fun facts are all about runners. This also relates to mental health. I find that if I have a bad day, after my workout I feel better because I accomplished something difficult and that I might have been worried about. Anyway, here are the facts. First, in Victorian times, people would drink champagne before they ran because they thought it would increase performance, which seems a little bit opposite to me. Next, in 2017, Marcus Jurgens ran a three and a half hour marathon. Backwards. What? Like how? I I feel like I would start doing that and then realize that it was really stupid and stop like two miles in. Probably not even two miles. Um, lastly, every step of running uses 200 muscles in your body. I guess that means that I'm just like really strong. So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to all the runners out there. It takes a lot to get out and run every day. Thanks for listening to the fifth episode of Young Thriving. This might actually be my favorite so far, but feel free to send your feedback by texting or sending in a voice message. Make sure to tune in for the next episode on July 1st, all about emotional health. Goodbye.